It's the Hoffman Show on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app. Wizards forward Kyle Kuzma coming up at 5.30. Right now, though, it is time for Not My Beat. Today's top story from the perspective of someone who's there. You are looking live. This just in. Not My Beat. Linnell Willingham with us for Overreaction Tuesday. Um, Linnell, two questions. One, why are you incapable of sitting in the center of the camera? Thank there you. we go. Uh, and two, it's not like you can't see it. It's right in front of you, right? I know. Uh, the screen's like right there. Give, give me a break. First of all, honored to be coming on before Kyle Kuzma, who has been in his duffel bag recently, efficient yes. scoring, getting buckets, getting others involved. So happy to listen to that when I hop off. Yeah, definitely. And then my second question is, like, are you cold? It's freezing. I'm getting over a little bug I had over Thanksgiving break. Mm. I'm, I'm whipping back into shape, though. They, okay. the, the dog is off the leash because I feel like I've gone rogue since the firing of Jack Del Rio, So, oh, oh, he's gone rogue. Well, this, this certainly shapes up for a hell of an overreaction Tuesday. So I guess um, hit us with the first take. For those that are new to the segment, uh, Linnell comes on. He gives his takes. I judge whether they are overreactions or not. We talk about the substance of them like real grown adults. And then uh, I tell him goodbye, and he yells at the rooster tomorrow. Um, that's normally how it goes. <laughs> yeah, that's normally how it goes. Uh, so first take, fire away. Not even really a take to start. I just want to give a message to the fan base okay, for what this next four to five month period is about to be. And I guess you could really look at it as the next calendar year. There is a lot of turnover that's going to take place within this organization. Talking about the Washington Commanders here within the next 12 months from coaches to scouts to players. I think everyone from here on out, we got to exude patience, right? Like this is not a quick fix. I don't think this roster can be turned around in one offseason. I don't think this team can all of a sudden be a 9-10 win team next year. I think they're a lot closer to the bottom than what we all realize. And I know defensively their woes this year, we'll see for the rest of the season whether it was on coaching or not. I think it's a personnel issue that is going to have to get addressed in the offseason. And the next five weeks should be about Figuring out, one, obviously, what your quarterback's going to be, and then who on this roster right now can be here moving forward in a multitude of different pieces, whether or not it's in the role of a starter or a quality backup, because they don't have either, I feel like, on a lot of spots on this roster. Overreaction. That was a take, and it is an overreaction. I think the narrative slash the pendulum slash the whatever other word you want to insert here has swung way too far in terms of the evaluation of talent on this team. This team is poorly coached, specifically on defense. It is horrendously coached. You have guys being asked to do way too much. You have guys, I mean, some of it is injury or roster construction by design now because you've made trades, for instance, like Casey Tuhill is overextended because he's not meant to be a starter. But if you can get, you know, or he's not meant to be, um, no, he's not meant to be best. a starter. I think you well, had no, that no, hold right, on. right there. He's not. It, he he could be a starter if he's starting next uh, opposite, like on a good defense, opposite of Montez Sweat, right? I don't trust Casey Tuhill to set my edges. Um, I was say, uh, their design on the, how they set edges is also terrible. But you know, what? like James, this defense was pretty good with James Smith Williams uh, opposite of Montez Sweat last year. He's a better edge setter, so like maybe it's a stylistic thing, right? Um, James versus Casey, uh, but 
point is, like, you don't need two studs defensive ends. You need a really solid football player on one, and you would really do better to have a stud on the other. They could go draft or acquire a stud with their $80 million of cap space, which could be as much as 100 depending on what they do at certain positions. And they've got, we assume, safely three top 40 picks. And who knows? Maybe if they decide Sam's their guy and they have the third pick and they don't really love, you know, let's say May and Williams go first and second and someone else wants to trade up for a quarterback that they don't like as much, you could trade down and you might wind up with four or five top 40 picks. Like, it's not unreasonable with the cap space potential, I mean, endless potential to be coached better and draft picks that they are better next year. Like, I have no idea if Quan Martin's a good football player. I have no idea if Emmanuel Forbes is a good football player. I really don't know if, like, Cody Barton could be a pretty, like, serviceable, middle-level starter football player. Like, he's played a lot better as of late. What happens once he's comfortable playing behind Allen and Payne? And, you know, there's more clarity in what his job is in the system offensively, like Terry and Jahan, I think they're better than what they're showing right now. I think obviously you get two to two to three offensive linemen that are significant upgrades. And that's a game changer, a stud tight end. Like because of the draft capital they have and the cap space they have, this is all possible to me. I think you're going to deal with some growing pains because there's going to be new coaches with new systems that is inherent. But to think that they can't win nine games next year, I think is, is setting the bar too low. Like, is it, you will see what they do. But I think it is very, very possible. Yeah, this is just one of those things where we disagree. I think you're starting from scratch uh, darn near on the defensive side of the football. Like, I can count probably on one hand the guys that I would probably bring back defensively as a starter or as well, To like be a fair, Linnell, there's only 11 on the field, and you do have five fingers. I'm talking about key backups as well because I think some of your guys like a, like a KJ Henry the, or, or an Andre Jones probably going to bring back Cam if he's not going to ask for top five safety money. Yeah, I would agree with that. That's a fair bet to bring back. I think your young pups, you're going to bring them back by nature because they're under contract, talking about Andre Jones, K.J. Henry. So Mm -hmm. I guess we're at three if I add just Andre Jones and K.J. Henry because Casey and James are free agents, correct? Correct. So depending on – this all depends on what the new people think, but if it's my team, I'm probably going to let those two walk and allow – Andre and, and KJ to fill the role that they've been playing the last two years. And they're kind of similar. KJ is more like James. Andre is more like Casey in terms of their skill set. Sure. One's better. Andre, like Andre Jones was a nice story, and I hope he can continue to develop. It would be awesome if he did. KJ Henry is the more important player. Yes. He's my fourth defensive end uh, or my third defensive end. I would then try to bring in someone in free agency and draft a guy. I, I agree with that, and I think – Andre Jones right now is being asked to do something I don't think he's too comfortable with. He doesn't look like he's comfortable at all rushing out of a three-point stance. Like, the get-off's not there. It's, he's slow getting out of the stance, and it's not like he's a yeah, bad athlete. Yeah, it was just seventh-round pick for a reason. Yeah, he's just he's got he's raw and, and has some some tools that you like, but he needs to be sharpened. Um, Quan Martin, I'm excited to see him in, like, an extended role if they decide to, like, play him differently. I know he's done a lot of work in, as, like, the slot, and he's done good work on special teams, but, like, Maybe trying him as your deep post safety. I'm interested to see that for like the final five weeks of the season. Hasn't been great when he's been there so far this year. He's he's had some mistakes in the post, but he's a young player who was asked. And this like this is the coaching thing, right? They right. gave him so bleepity bleep much in the preseason, and they were like, "Oh, he's a smart kid. He can handle it." And it's like, I don't know. Can we do one thing well as opposed to right. seven things poorly? 
And that's I don't put that on Quan. Like that's on the coaching staff for asking a young player who's got to learn the league to learn five different positions. Like that's ridiculous. And we said it at the time. Like we were and maybe some of us were were a little bit more benefit of the doubt of like, hey, we're gonna is this a good idea? You question it as opposed to being like this is a bad idea. In hindsight, terrible idea. So can the new staff take Quan Martin and say, like, you're the nickel or you are this like you're a post safety. Either one, I think Quan Martin can be a good football player. He wasn't overdrafted. Like second round is where most people had him. And I think you'll get an idea of this over the next five weeks, which is why, you know, I think it's so important. I guess I was a little hyperbolic saying five because I haven't even got to the D tackles yet. And I did. Yeah, the think- tackles are staying both both because they're good players and because contractually like it's a ton of dead money. Although John, I think you can redo and get away with, but like you're not getting rid of John Allen. That's where we may differ in terms of our team building philosophies moving forward. But um, the tackles we'll throw in there. I, I just look at it big picture, and I say defensively is I wouldn't I wouldn't have known I was going to say this in August. They're way further behind on defense than it feels like than they are on offense. And it kind of gets to my next overreaction, which I know me and you. Well, are hold 100- on, let's let's finish mm-hmm. out the defense real quick because yeah. like. Cody might be fine. Um, I, I don't think it don't, depends on the system, I, I but like hundred percent, you can upgrade there. Like, but is it worth it at middle linebacker? I think the middle linebacker play around the, this is not actually a referendum on Cody Barton. So I can already feel the comments going crazy of like we'll how, you know, whatever, but like there's not many good middle linebackers in the league. It's a hard position to play. And it's, there's a reason teams don't invest in it. So if you have a guy who's serviceable, fine. Um, Jamin is a solid football player that if they could just quit asking him to do stuff that's silly, but Craig, he would if he, be if very he can't good. cover Craig, then how can he play? He can cover like, that's the thing. You're the dirty secret man. is Jamie, Jamin Davis can cover Jamin Davis can't cover Saquon Barkley in space, but neither can any other linebacker in the NFL, except for maybe Fred Warner. Like they're at, they ask him to do stuff. That's insane on a regular basis. That's the problem. You put Jamin in a in a box where he plays like a, a much simpler version of Will Linebacker, he's going to have 100 tackles, and he just gets to run and hit people and blitz and, yes, drop into some pretty basic zone coverages, but quit manning him up on the best running backs in the league on a regular basis. Like, that's the kind of stuff where – I have a big enough sample size now to say, like, this is not a personnel issue on that particular thing. Like, is it unavoidable sometimes? Sure. But overall, like, the frequency with which that happens, to me, is a coaching issue. But Jamin Davis can cover, and he has done a, like, I think the problem, too, with coverage is often when it's good, you don't know unless you, like, watch the tape and grade it out and pay attention to where the ball doesn't go. Because exactly, because the ball doesn't go there. But you think of how bad the pass rush has been this year and some of the plays that are made off schedule, the coverage looks worse because the, the, the front has been god awful the last three weeks, especially, but has been subpar the entire season. Yeah, I just think Jamin right now to me is a better athlete than he is a football player. And I think sort of to what you're saying, it's on a good coach to come in and try to get the most out of this multiple piece of clay. His fifth-year option wouldn't be getting picked up by me. No, right I would not do be, that. Wouldn't be something I entertain. But that, you, you got a couple of more, well, next year to, to really figure out what you want to do with him. 
But I right. think the case with Jamin is the case with a lot of the guys on the defense, and I think you make a hell of a point with that. It's hard, and we've talked about this before, it's hard to really assess what they have defensively because they haven't been put in the proper position to succeed. But another problem with this defense is they're just not making plays. Like You can be in position all day long, and guys got to come up with the football. Guys got to make plays. I don't think they have enough of that. I agree. That side of the ball. And I think I, that's, to me, the issue and why I would probably tear it down to the studs, meaning if you can get something for John, I get something for John. I'd have to look at how much dead money there is. Like, Duran, it's a, it's a non-starter. Right. Like, the amount, of, the the amount of money, you, the dead money on Duran's contract, I need at least two first to, to yeah. deal with that cap situation. John, I think, is, is a different conversation. Um, but, like, I, I guess, like, yes, they need more playmakers. And you'd hope that Forbes and Quan and Jamin has made some of those this year that they have made. Um, you need Duran and John to make more of those. You'd hope you draft another stud. Um, and you need Curl and St. Juice, for instance, to do that more often. Like, that is yeah. the problem with those two players. Um, but we'll see schematically. Um, you were going to make an offensive point. I'm going to make you hold on to it for an extra three minutes. Uh, we come back. Linnell's next take, overreaction or not. It's Overreaction Tuesday on the Hoffman Show on the Team 980 and always live on the free Odyssey app. It is, it is, the Hoffman Show on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app. Linnell Willingham with us for one more segment on an overreaction Tuesday before Kyle Kuzma joins us at the bottom of the hour. All right, Linnell, uh, you had an offensive take spurring to get off your tongue. Uh, go ahead and go ahead and let it spurring. rip. Spurring. Um, spurring. Yeah, it's kind of influenced by a lot of... Uh, some Odyssey DC articles that I've seen over the past 72 hours or so. At the team980.com. At the team980.com. Um, just getting everyone's opinion and where we're at right now in terms of moving forward with the coaching search. And a lot of people seem right now to be kind of out on Eric Bieniemy. I know me and you have had brief conversation about just – what we've heard from in the building about how players would feel about him taking over as the head coach. And I'm going to echo some of what I heard earlier today listening to uh, Beat Mission Philly. It just, I, I think it's really hard. And I understand all these guys are professionals. Their voices deserve to be heard, right? I'm not trying to diminish their feelings at all. This is not what this is. But, but, <laughs> I mean, damn. I mean, if, if, Tyreek Hill, and I'll, I'll, I'll play some of this audio tonight on overtime on the fans, 630 to 10. Tyreek Hill, if you ever hear him go into detail about how much Eric Bieniemy means to him as a football player, but not just as a football player, but as a man, you'll really understand the type of relationship and the type of interpersonal relationships that EB can build if he gets the time to get to know these guys. It hadn't even been a full calendar year with him in this locker room, and folks are already talking about, they don't like him, and it's he he's coaching them too hard. I don't even know what the exact messaging is coming out of there, but if you're up, yeah. if you're if you're upset at like lack of production and like lack of targets, if you're a receiver, like if Terry came out and was like, "Yeah, kind of upset. I'm not really getting the football." I would I would understand that a little bit, but I'm wondering who it's coming from and why. Because to put it simply, like it's the only guy on your staff that's got hardware. It's the only guy on your staff that's done it on a consistent level. And Travis Kelsey's come out to bat, Pat's come out to bat, Tyreek's come out to bat. Those are three guys that he was, you know, very influential in, in coaching. I hear you, and I think that there is, like, to me, this is not an overreaction, but there is a lot of gray area. 
Um, Kime, Kime was the first like real reporter to like say something here that I thought was really interesting, which, um, kind of illuminated some of the like very vague rumblings you hear, right? He said that some people in the building or some players said this on, on his podcast, the John Kime report that some people in the, or players wish that Eric had not gotten as much power and that Ron would have taken some of it back. And to me, that speaks to, okay, well, what did Eric do with that power? Was it how he interacted with people that he was power, like seemed like power hungry and without an Andy Reid over top of him to check him that he would like the relationship is different because there wasn't someone that, you know, was willing to stand up to Eric and at times be like, nah, man, you need to chill out, which Andy might have been, you know, you have kind of a fire and ice thing. Um, not that Andy Reid can't be fiery and isn't, isn't hard on players, but it's, it's different. Um, when you're checked versus unchecked. I also think that like on a much more human baseline level, and I know I already know, again, the comment section, let me have it. The fan, the fans, uh, we're going to say your professional football players who cares about your off day. But like if you go around and change players' schedules and like the off day, that really messes with their lives. It messes with their routines. It messes with when they get treatment. It messes with when they do charity work. It messes with time they spend with their families. It messes with their ability to like go to something in their hometown and be back. Like these are adult human beings who have lives outside of their job. They're extremely dedicated to the job in the off season. And if you change their off day and their ability to conduct their lives, it better work and it better have good reason. And I feel like, like even in training camp, I was hearing that guys were kind of ticked off with some of the schedule stuff that EB wanted to change, and Ron was willing to let it happen, and then it didn't work. And they're well, four this and eight. Is, this is my thing. What about that didn't work? I mean, they're, is, they're, are they four the and eight because the practice schedule changed, or are they four and eight because they can't? No, they're not bad necessarily. No, no, like they're definitely more four and eight because they're you know when they were practicing, it wasn't barely very good. Um, but like. <laughs> The, the point is, is like, if the results follow, people fall in line. Eric could get away with some of the stuff in Kansas City because they were winning. And, you know, you start to buy into it. You start to believe it because the results are there. And there's been a ton of studies. Now I'm going way out outside of football here, but like, there are a ton of studies, say, in the fitness world about people who believe stuff that works for them when it doesn't actually work in mass or maybe they're confused about what the thing is that actually is working for them. Right. Um, and so it winds up being this false confirmation, if you will. And so long story short, like I, my beef, if there is beef, calling it beef is way too strong. I'm not a hot take artist. I'm not trying to have beef with coaches. My issue with the enemy as a potential head coach is philosophically the way he has handled the offense this year. I do not think that that is a, uh, uh, the most effective way to win football games in this league. You said just in terms of the high volume of throwing the football of the past? High volume of throwing, like too high. Mm-hmm. Definitely a passing league. Definitely pass a lot. This is ridiculous, especially when you have a young player and, and a quarterback. And that kind of goes to my, I, I am not convinced that he is someone who won't do, repeat like the same mistakes in a different way that Jay Gruden had. Jay would be like, the system works. You write it on the page, this play should work. And, and he would write a lot, yeah. right? But you have other players, and I think this is where, like, Sean was a great influence on Jay, where Sean would be like, we got to get the ball to Jordan Reed, right? That is a different approach. And which one you prioritize 
it, you know, both coaches will believe in both. Yeah, we got to get the ball to our best players. We got to have great players. We got to do this. But like, if you get too caught up in your scheme and the X's and O's and not enough in the players, that to me is backwards. And I think that EB did not adjust his scheme from Howell to Mahomes or Mahomes to Howell and to Kelsey, you know, interior features to, Hey, our three best players are wide receivers. And to me, that says something about how you think philosophically. And thus I would like someone who thinks again, personal preference. This is, I'm not hundred percent right. Uh, but I disagree with that philosophy. And then it's audio clip that I have from a year and a half ago, Travis Kelsey talking on the set of the Super Bowl when the Rams were about to play the Bengals. So this is when EB's name first got in that, that cycle and, and people were banging on the table for him to get the job. Kelsey multiple times talked about, you know, EB is the guy that stands up in a lot of these meetings where we're installing stuff and putting in our game plan and our situational stuff. He's the guy that's leading all of that. So for me to, like, believe that he all of a sudden forgot how to coach and forgot how to feature people in the offense, like, it's, it's hard to believe. And I understand Terry's numbers are down. Jahan's numbers are down. And I understand what people's gripes are with your best wide receiver, seemingly, and Terry McLaurin not getting the ball. But, like, for me personally, there's gray area because I don't watch, admittedly, as much all 22 as a lot of other guys do. But I, Sam's ultimately responsible to where the football goes at the end of the day. So we sure. don't know the play call to say that he's not featuring guys. What if Sam's just not throwing them the football? There is some of that happening. And sometimes, by the way, Sam's not throwing it because he's about to die. Well, um, yeah. the, the offensive line and protection stuff is is good. But, like, they don't scheme up their run game. Like they don't, cre- they don't prioritize creating good angles in the run game. And I'm looking at the best offenses in the NFL, including the one that's going to drop 50 points on this defense this weekend. And they're going to do that. Like that's, that's how they, they create. So you're more with plays. detail instead of the volume. Yes. Because I think detail matters a lot more. Because if you look actually well, they, at they the teams that are top five in attempts, like Atlanta is one of the top five rushing teams in attempts this year. They're not very good offensively. I don't have no, the rankings up in front of me, but terrible. Right, but I, I say all that to say, like, just because you're a team that's top five in the NFL in rushing, it doesn't automatically translate to success. No, but like, of course not. But like, the best offense. Who are the best offenses in the league? I would say when healthy, Cincinnati's is up there. I would say Buffalo. I would say. Uh, I would say Detroit. Detroit. Well, San Francisco, Detroit, San Francisco, those you know, are Minnesota two. has been really good the last couple of years. L.A., Miami, yeah, Miami, Miami's Balt- the I think, best. I think Baltimore, when they're clicking, is one of all the those teams ones, yeah. you just named. Like they scheme it up. They have good marriage between their run games and their pass games, the play action game. They move the quarterback like they do all the stuff that this team does not. Excuse me, to me, does not do enough of. Um, and again, like we can get super into the details here, but at the end of the day, like there's just philosophical things with the way that they run this stuff. And there's enough smoke coming out of the building about how he's handled, you know, the scheduling and whatever else that players are mad at. I don't know what it is, but like, it's enough that it's starting to come out in a bad season, which is ridiculous, and, and I, by and the I, way, I think here's the other thing that I would say too, about the enemy is like, I think they need to start fresh. I think that from a coaching leadership everything standpoint, that's the thing that needs to get taken down to the studs. So my thing is, and this is how I feel like the next five weeks will go this way to me, him coming back and being considered as your head coach I think should have a lot to do with how 
Sam in the offense performs down the stretch, and some people may say, well, those two things don't really have anything to do with each other because EB is going to be the head coach, meaning that he's going no, to have to do. give away some of the offensive power. Anyway. But I'm just like, I don't know. I just have – he seems like a guy that just can galvanize people. And listening to others talk about him, media members from Kansas City, uh, players outside of, of Travis Mahomes and, and, and Tyreek, the guy's just got something about him as a former player where he's able to relate to guys. And the one thing that all of them say to a man is that he is going to push you to your absolute brink. And I just think in today's day and age, man, there's a certain type of cat that's able to take that, and there's cats that can't. And I don't want the cats that can't. Honestly, I think there's a – and I don't mean to go like macho machismo toughness, but like So much to me, time with Doc Walker over there. You know, like I just think, you know, there's a certain way like you got to be coached in the National Football League to get – there's a certain way you got to coach to get the most out of guys, I feel like. you got to know who you can kick in the butt and who you got to tap on the top of the head. But like That's, co- that's coaching. Striking that that's- balance is, is huge. And I think he does a good job of it based on all the positives you hear. Like, I don't give a damn what Shady McCoy has to say about Eric Bieniemy. Like, he's not even good on TV. Well, okay. Well, that we can agree on. Um, I That is coaching. That is the art of – we're way – we have now destroyed the clock. So, um, this is a conversation that we'll, yeah. we'll certainly continue over the next couple of weeks. The art of coaching is understanding how you get through to players. I would highly suggest anyone, you included, read the Washington Post feature on Mike McDaniel, who does it a completely different way. Like, there are multiple ways to do this. At the end of the day, you have to be able to reach people, and that is the art of it. And obviously, he did a great job in Kansas City. I think he's a good coach. I think he belongs in the league. I think he obviously has been deserving, based off resume, of a head coaching shot. I just don't know here if that's the right play. My thought is here, they need to wipe out every coach on staff on both sides of the ball and start over. If you want to keep anybody, uh, congrats to the special teams crew. I guess y'all can stick around. Uh, it's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980. We're always live as well on the free Odyssey app. That is Linnell Willingham. Uh, Kyle Kuzma uh, on the blower to talk to us next.